You are listening to King Jesus Radio, the official podcast of New Living Way Church. All right, well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Bible study tonight. Amen. Amen. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us tonight and just grateful to the Lord for another day and night that we can come together to study His Word. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to open up in a word of prayer. And Nancy, would you open us up in a word of prayer tonight? Thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Well, it's good to be here tonight and looking forward to what the Lord has. Just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, Friday night, there is no prayer. Um, but we are still encouraging to, to choose a scripture or a chapter and to ask the Lord to teach you by his Holy Spirit according to his word. Amen. And, you know, continue to pray. But for the month of November, there will be no uh, prayer on Friday nights. And uh, this will also be the last Bible study for the month of November as well. Um, next week is Thanksgiving and uh, there will be no Bible study or prayer next week as well. So uh, just, you know, grateful to God that we're able to meet here tonight and be able to study his word together. And, uh, but just no Bible study next week and the week after that. So just to give you guys a heads up, but we'll keep you updated as the services go on as well. And uh, also um, this Sunday, church church service this Sunday at 9.15, we have uh, the morning word in the morning for, for prayer in the book of Nehemiah and then our 10.45 service, which we're looking forward to what the Lord has this coming Sunday. Amen. So just definitely, definitely blessed by that and looking forward to what the Lord is doing. And just really grateful to the Lord for just being so faithful. I was just thinking about a little a little while ago. I was like, wow, that's awesome, Lord. Um, this last February is when we opened up back for Bible study and everything like that. So it was February? It was February, yeah. It was February that we that we had our first Bible study back again. And, and uh, we're, we're back in the annex room doing Bible study together. So that was uh, definitely a blessing. And it was, you know, continuing to do so. So thankful to the Lord for that. Amen. So just grateful to God for that. Amen. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much what we got going on right now. So we've been back since February. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, no. Went by fast. It did. It really did. Yeah. I, I look back. I'm like, it just felt like you know, like you know, I was like, okay. And then sometimes it just felt like we never even stopped. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> but so it's been a blessing, and and uh, just grateful to the Lord for that. Amen. So. You know, we're just grateful to God for that. So thank you, Jesus. Do you mind if we sing for you? Where's your happy No problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool with it. Are you ready to get to sing to We're going to sing? Yeah. Okay, ready? Yeah, ready. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Pastor. Happy birthday to you. Second verse. We love you, we do. We love you, we do. God bless you and keep you. Happy birthday to you. Oh, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. That was a bonus track right there. I like that one. Amen. Thank you for that. Yeah, I was like. Oh, really? Okay. Nice. I like that. All right. Yeah, that was pretty off cool. Key, but <laughs> <laughs> I like that off key, but it was done in love, amen. Yeah. So that's what that's what counts. That's what matters. That's what matters. 
Amen. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I really was blessed by that and appreciate it very much. So thank you guys. <laughs> Amen. And uh, just grateful to the Lord for another year. Amen. So he has been so faithful and so good and just so thankful to him. So praise God. Amen. And I got my son will be celebrating his birthday this weekend too. So he was supposed to be born on my birthday, but he waited. He wanted his own day. So, you know, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was nothing. He said, no, I'm not coming out yet. I'm going to wait. <laughs> so said, That's cool. <laughs> Well, praise the Lord. Well, thank you guys so much for that. Well, let's go ahead and start up tonight. We're going to be in uh, Acts chapter 15, and uh, we're going to be in uh, verse 10 through 21 tonight. So Acts chapter 15, verse 10 through 21. And tonight's uh, title is, But We Believe. Amen? But We Believe. So let's, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this day, Lord God. And we thank you, Father, as we're able to come together today, Lord Jesus, because, Lord, we believe in you, Lord. We believe in your word. We believe, Father God, in all that you are, Lord Jesus. And we believe, Lord Jesus, Father God, by faith in you tonight, Lord. And, Father, we just thank you together tonight, Father God, as we come together as those that believe in you, Lord. And we thank you, Father God, Lord Jesus, as we're able to look to you, my God, because of that belief in you today, Lord. And, Father, we're just so grateful tonight, Lord. And we just thank you as you teach us and instruct us, Lord, as Father God, you lead us by your spirit, Lord God. And we just submit ourselves to you tonight, Father. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand. And we just thank you for this time, Lord, for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, but we believe. Amen. But we believe. So, praise God for that. I do see little smiley faces on here and the little birthday hats. So, praise. Thank you, Myron. <laughs> amen. Um, so that word right there, the title, but we believe, what, what, is, what comes to mind for when you just hear that? I mean, we're going to talk about that through the scripture tonight, but just, I like that title, but we believe. What, what comes to mind when you hear that, but we believe? Faith. Faith. Amen. Faith. Okay. Amen. Anything Healing. Else? Healing. Amen. Yes, definitely. Amen. What else? What else? Reassurance. Reassurance. Amen. Amen. What else? It's a declaration. Declaration. Okay. Amen. Well, what is it we believe? We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. Amen. That's what we believe in, right? That's who we believe in. And, and like you said, that's our faith. That's our hope. That's our, our security. That's our, our guarantee. You know, and it's by that belief, it's by that continued faith. And that's why, you know, the Bible talks about that steadfast faith, talks about the shield of faith, because that is one of the things that will always be attacked. That will always be one of the things like, you know, we talked about on Sunday, you know, our mind will, you know, so many different thoughts, so many different ways, so many different customs or traditions that, you know, sometimes will try to take away the genuineness of just believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, so this is where it's very, it's very um, critical and very important that we, in our relationship with the Lord, we we know who we believe in, you know, and that's what's important to know him and to continue to know him. And one of the things about faith is it's continuing to stand through it all and still believe Amen. in who through Jesus is through it all. Wonderful yeah, through it all, you know, but we believe, you know, you can go through a trial and you still come out, but I still believe. You know, you could be on the highest mountain and I still believe, you know, you know, you could be, you know, some things that are just, you know, you're trying to figure out or whatever decisions did. But, Lord, I still believe, you know, and and that's one of the the, the, the firm foundations that we have is our Lord Jesus Christ. So it is it is a blessing to be able to to enjoy that and to be able to celebrate, you know, our Lord today. So that's what we're going to be talking about to tonight is we're looking here. We're going to see an example of this. Um, in Acts chapter 15, verse 10 through 21. Amen. So 
Let's go ahead and read this over here. I'll be uh, reading from the ESV version, and uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 15, verse 10 to 21, and then we'll come back and we'll start to break this down a bit. So it says, Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing the yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with, the, with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. For from ancient generation, generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Amen. So this is our scripture tonight, and we're going to be looking at, you know, what's going on over here. So as we've been kind of going over this, we see now all the changes, all the different things, and they're trying to figure out what to do with the Gentiles. The biggest thing we were going through last week was circumcision. You know, this was a big deal for them. And, you know, but it ended up coming out that, no, they're, they're saved by faith. There is no reason for circumcision. Okay, so now they're all in agreement with this as Peter gets up to start to speak. And this is still Peter continuing to speak. So we're going to look here, and this is just a continuation of Peter continuing to declare as he stood up after hearing, you know, all their thoughts and, you know, having discussions and meetings. This is now Peter continuing to speak about what's going on. So let's look right here in verse 10. It says, now, now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? OK, so what I like about this is that, you know, their their whole concern is about the law, about circumcision. And, you know, their whole concern is about their traditions, how they live and the way they live. Because remember, Israel was separate from every other nation, how they live, their customs, the way of life. I mean, they were not even to associate with anyone outside of, of the Jewish faith, you know, because of the strict laws that they were living by. And, you know, but what this, you know, this is just in the culture in that time. But with this came a place where not only was it um, were they living separate, but when they now now through Christ to be able to live amongst the Gentiles, this is all new to them. This was not going to be something that was going to happen overnight. So this is what's causing the concern. But what Paul, I mean, what Peter is doing here is he's putting the focus back on them. He's reminding them of the joy, but first he's bringing about some truth because, and you know, as they're looking to the Gentiles, they're trying to figure out all the Gentiles, but how many of us know that as the message of the gospel goes forth, as the word of God goes forth, it always starts with us, right? It should always reflect from us first 
So therefore, we can see how the word is for someone else. But it needs to start with us. And right here we see Peter basically bringing this out. And he's saying, now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test? Why are you testing God in this? In your actions, in the way you're acting and how you're coming about this. And that word test right there, what's it called? It's written somewhere. It says men are said to tempt God by exhibitions of distrust, basically their actions. As though they wish to try whether he is not justly distrusted. So basically, it's based upon their actions that they're showing that they're not trusting God and his righteousness. They're not trusting God enough to be able to say, well, what God does is just and righteous and it is enough. So to test God is really to tempt God. They're putting God to the test. Another portion, this is from the concordance is an impious or wicked conduct to test God's justice and patience and to challenge him as it were to give proof, proof of his perfections. So it basically saying, in a sense, you're testing God to see, okay, I'm going to test your justice, your patience, and I'm going to challenge you because I want you to give me proof of your righteousness or your perfection. I want you to show me how this works. And I want you to basically prove it to me. And this is what Peter is telling him. You, you cannot test God. That is not a right thing to do. Except for in your money. You can, yeah, the Bible does say that. We can do that, definitely. But that's a matter of faith. Right, right here, they're coming against the faith in their actions. Again, this is not something that they may have been doing intentionally, but this is all they've known for their lives. So they're just trying to figure this out. They're trying to, uh, you know, accustom to the change because there was a change going on with them. But there's also a change coming from the outside. And so Peter's warning them, do not. But again, why are you putting God to the test? Let's look at Matthew chapter four. If somebody would like to read Matthew chapter four, verse five through seven. Okay. It says, Then the devil took him up to the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his, change, his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot upon stone. Jesus said to him, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Or you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Amen? <laughs> so right here we see that the devil is tempting Jesus by using and distorting the word of God, but it's to put God to the test. That's, the, that's, just, that's to tell someone, oh, why don't you go jump out in front of traffic right here on Telegraph and then see if God saves you. That's not, that's not faith. That's ignorance. And really, it could come down to stupidity because that's not God. That's not what God is asking us to do, and that's not what the word is saying. And so right here, even Jesus says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And he took this from scripture from Deuteronomy chapter six. We could turn there. Deuteronomy chapter six. And if somebody could read verse 16 through 19. Deuteronomy six, verse 16 through 19. You should not 
not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massah. You shall diligently keep the commandment of the Lord your God, his testimonies, his statutes, which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you, that you may go and possess the good land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to cast out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has spoken. Amen. So before that, it's talking about the jealousy of God. But right here, it's also talking about the commands of God. And it's telling them how to be obedient to the word of God. But in that obedience, they get to see the favor as they're able to receive the promise that God has for them in the obedience. But he, he warns them, do not put the Lord your God to the test as they did in, 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 in the desert, in the wilderness. Because that's what they did time and time again. Oh, we have no bread. Oh, we have no water. Oh, we want to go back to Egypt. And they continued to test the Lord because they wanted him to prove himself to them. There's a difference between saying, Lord, I need to see just something. Lord, give me something. Just a confirmation and glimpse. There's a difference in that. There's a difference between a fleece, as Gideon did. But there's another thing to say, no, you need to show me this, God, and then I'll believe. Yeah, you know, what did they say to Jesus on the cross? Bring yourself down and then we'll believe in you. They're saying, I'm requiring proof, and then I'll believe in you. But really, their heart was, still would not believe in them. Because even though he rose from the grave, they still did not believe in him. So that doesn't mean anything. But again, they're putting the Lord God to the test. And he is warning them about this. He is telling them, why do you choose to put the Lord God to the test? And what he's doing is he's coming against them. And they're saying, well, how? Well, let's go back to Acts chapter 15, verse 10. It says, now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test? And this is how he says it. By placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples. So he gives them the instruction. He says, why are you putting God to this? By placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples. Now, a yoke represented a, a, a wooden beam that would go upon the two oxen. And many times it was used for training purposes or it would be used for a weaker ox so that the stronger ox can pull that weaker ox and help that weaker ox to get stronger or to train it so it would learn. And so they would yoke it up. And what it was, it was a sign of submission. And in, in our terms, as a metaphor, it's used in the scriptures as submission to one another or submission to God. It's a submission to God. And but the thing is, is that when you when you've submitted to something that is putting now a burden on you, it becomes a weight. It becomes something more. Now he's saying you're putting this yoke, but you're basically putting a burden on them. And this is how you're putting God to the test by placing burdens on them that they should not have. He's saying you're putting the same burdens on them that we ourselves couldn't even live. And you're expecting them to live the same way. And yet look how far we have come. Look how far we have fallen. He's shedding light on some truths here. So a yoke is to put on a drop cattle to train a burden or a bondage, slavery. Troublesome, uh, um, imposed on one, especially of the Mosaic law. So talking about the yoke that they're trying to place on is the law. They're trying to place all these rules, traditions, and customs on the new believers, the Gentile believers. But this is actually going for all believers, but especially the Gentile 
believers. Let's go to Matthew chapter 23, and we're going to look at verse 1 through 4. Matthew 23, verse 1 through 4. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So he's challenging the Pharisees here. He's telling them, look, you, you, what they're preaching is correct. The law of God is good. You know, the reading of Moses is right. It's my word. It's, it's good. But they're preaching in such a way, but yet they're not living it. But yet they expect the people to live it. They expect the people to follow it 100%, but yet they're not. And we see it through all the shady stuff they do and just to try to get Jesus crucified. Because they're pretty shady. <laughs> That's why they needed the light of Jesus, right? To bring light to that shade. Gosh, Amen. Five. <laughs> five, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead, Sister Karen. I already moved. Well, I'm okay. Got a word I don't know. Okay. But all their works they do is seen by men. They make their phylacteries. What the heck is that? Those are long parts of the garment, and they're basically like these long. Um, I forgot what they're called right now. Tassels type of tassels type of deal. And they would wear these blue ones down, coming down, and it would show it was basically a, a piety. You know, it's it's in scripture. You know, they do use it in scripture, but they would just like, you know, kind of as long as they can and all that. It was more of a show for them. And this is what, you know, you walk around with all that. And you're like, wow, they're holy. They're pious. They're, you know, irreverent, you know, by, by what they wear. So I forgot the exact details. I did it with a teaching with the kids one day, but it was fun to do. It's, it's, it's a good representation and it's good, but the way they represent these telling them that doesn't make them holy, basically, is what they wear doesn't make them holy. So I'm wearing a Jesus shirt doesn't make me a Christian. You know, it's 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 more than that. You know, having a bumper sticker on my car doesn't make me a Christian. It's the faith. It's the heart. And so, you know, that's what that's pretty much what that's talking about, referring to that. So let's also go to Romans chapter three, verse 20. If somebody can read that one, Romans chapter three, verse 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Right? So that's just straight out right there. He says, it's not the law is still good. Jesus says, no, the law is good, but the law was meant to come forth so we would know what sin is. So we would recognize our need for Jesus. Because there's no one that could live fulfilling the whole law except Jesus Christ himself, the perfect lamb. That was Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. And let's go a couple of books over to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 1 if somebody would like to read that verse there. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled. Again, with the yoke of bondage. Amen. 
Mine says, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery, referring to the law because he's saying, no, in Christ we have been set free. So stand firm, therefore. Again, don't, don't let anything come in that tells you differently. You know, Paul says, if anybody comes in preaching a different gospel, don't believe it. Jesus warns of that. If anybody, if, if they say I'm over here, over there, don't believe them. He goes, be careful because it's by faith in Christ and Christ alone. And this is what Paul's bringing out. This is what Peter's talking about. This is what Jesus is talking about. And this is what he's reminding them. You, we couldn't even live according to the law, but yet we're trying to force them. And this is how they're putting God to the test because they're expecting the Gentiles now to live by this. And they're not going to be able to. So this is what's being brought out here. But let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 21. I'm sorry, Matthew 11. Matthew 11, we're going to look at verse 28 through 30. Uh, Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. And look what he says here, because think about it. To live according to the law, I mean, that's a lot of work. <laughs> it could be stressful. You know how many times they must have fell so short and just felt so far from God because, I mean, you know, even we as Christians today can feel that way. Like we just feel so like we've fallen so short at times, you know, and right here, this is a perfect example of it. He is letting them know because this is a people that is striving after the law, striving, you know, to be right with God. But he comes to say in verse 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, the yoke he's talking about is submission to him. It's submission to him, and in that submission to him, in that faith in him, we can now rest in him. We can rest in the finished work of the cross, the finished work of Jesus Christ, because he paid it all. He is the fulfillment of the law. And in him, it is all fulfilled. See, again, we've talked about it. The law never went away. The law is still good. But because we can never live up to the law or the law can never save us because of our, our sinful nature. That's why Christ died for our sins. Because he is the fulfillment of the law. So therefore in him, we are righteous. Therefore in him, we don't have to work for salvation. Our salvation is in Jesus Christ and him alone. We don't have to labor for that salvation. Yes, it's the other one. Well, his burdens, I mean, because again, to live for Christ. You know, think about it this way. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you, right? The Bible says that there's a cost. But his burden is light. because See, as we're Christians today, we should still live righteously. It doesn't mean because Christ paid for our sins, we could just go live however we want. No, now we have a responsibility to him because we belong to him. We're his. So there will be changes in our life. There will be things that will be going on in our lives. There will be things that we were required to do. 
but it's by faith in him and him alone. But it's no longer a burden because his burden is light. It's, it's not like the burden from before. Before they were working for salvation. Now we're working already from salvation. You see what I mean? So if you're, if you're going through things, different things like that, but yet it's not because God doesn't love you. He loves you. But it's just part of life. But you can have trust because you believe in him. And so therefore, he's the one that relieves that burden. You can trust him through the hard times. You can trust him through the doubts. You can trust him through the fears. And you can know that his burden is light. Anybody else like to add a little bit on that one? On that more? Well, I think a burden is sometimes like, let's say, your family member or somebody is going through a thing and you know what they're going through. So you feel that burden. Yeah. And it's trusting God that He's the one that can heal or He's the one yeah. that could um, do something about the burden, that we don't carry that as a yoke on us, a heaviness on us. But that we give it to him and let him handle it. Yeah. It's all him. And even in your shortcomings, as you know, or whatever it may be, it's again, he takes that burden. He's the one that takes it for us. And yes, sister. When you said about no joy, they had to have felt so burdened having to keep all those laws. And I thought about that. And even the Jehovah Witness people, they're not joyful because they're working way hard and do not accept grace. Wow. I, yeah. I went to a funeral and it's like so dead. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's you know it's it's definitely can be a burden. I mean, working for a place, trying to be saved, trying to, you know, and again, like he says to the Pharisees, you guys lay all these burdens upon them, but yet you yourselves can. He's telling them we couldn't even live up to this. How are we gonna expect them to live up to it? You know, and so this is where it's Putting that faith in Christ and Christ alone. This is what they're learning. This is what he's teaching them. This is what he's showing them. If this is the difference on it. And so he's letting them know, don't put the don't don't put God to the test by placing, trying to place these yokes, these requirements that they need to do in order to be saved, because that's not what it's about. He's letting them know, no, it's it's all in Jesus. And this is where Jesus is saying, Come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. You know, his yoke is, 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 is easy. His yoke is easy and his burden is light, you know, because you will have burdens like Pastor Pat said, but it's not the full burden of it. It's not destruction burden. It's not condemnation burden. It's not no hope burdens. It's a burden that we can give to the Lord and he gives us the strength to walk through it. Did I clarify a little bit, Sustalma? Okay. Amen. Amen. Any other thoughts or, or comments on this portion here? Okay, I put right here, rest in him and the finished work. Therefore, his commands are not burdensome because we're not trying to earn salvation. It's the fruit of salvation that causes us to submit to him. Amen. So if somebody can read 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. Says, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Amen. Can you read that one more time? Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. See, so it should be a joy 
to be able to follow the Lord, to obey his commands, to 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 do as his word says, because again, I know we say that about others, but sometimes even we as Christians sometimes can live like there's no joy. Because we're not experiencing or we're, we're going through things, whatever it may be, and we may have those times. But again, we have the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We have his Holy Spirit, but it should be coming from a place. And this is where we're learning that Lord to teach me how to live for you because it is a joy to live for you because I'm coming from a place. I'm not, I'm no longer going to hell. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You saved me. You delivered me. You're so faithful to me. You're so patient, you know, and, and you love me like no other, no, no one else could ever love me. And so therefore that should be a joy. So in walking with the Lord, just now become a joy through the changes of no longer wanting to live a certain way or to act a certain way or to think a certain way or to do a certain way. It should be a joy to want to come to the presence of the Lord. It should be a joy to want to worship the Lord. It should be a joy to want to serve God. It should be a joy to want to be obedient to the Lord. What makes it so hard sometimes is this mind, is this flesh. Is wanting our way or just are leaning on our own understanding because we don't quite understand everything all the time. But again, it comes back to our faith, our belief, and who our God is. And this is what Peter is concerned about, is that it has to be more than this because he's telling them we can't put this yoke upon them. If we ourselves were not even able to live it, how are we going to expect these Gentiles to live in such a way? And again, a yoke is a sign of submission to another. And he's telling them, don't cause them. Like Galatians 5.1 says, let us not return back to the yoke of slavery. Let us be in submission and take the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think possibly that Peter thought about how hard it was for them? Yeah, well, that's what he's coming from. Yeah, that's what he's saying. How hard it was for them knowing that the change of the Gentiles were going to have to because of their upbringing and their roots and stuff was going to probably be a long process. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean, yeah, you think about it. Peter and the disciples and all, they were Jewish. Paul, I mean, they knew the, the strictness of it. They knew the requirements. They knew it was, you know, it was tough. That was tough. You know, especially for those that were righteous and really wanted to live, you know, righteously after God. That was a tough way. You know, and, and uh, so then afterwards to have faith in Jesus. And it's just, man, it was just, it was just such a freedom. Yeah. They didn't no, they didn't have a yoke. You know, it's like us before we came to Christ. It's like we no longer, it's like that, that emptiness that was inside of us was now made whole. And we no longer had the yoke of the fear of death or the yoke of the fear of going to hell or the yoke of no hope. I mean, we were burdened. You know, and even if we didn't, if we didn't realize it, we were ignorant of it. But still, we were condemned. We were in condemnation. We were under the wrath of God. But when we gave our life to Jesus, it was like, wow, that burden was lifted. That yoke was taken. We were delivered. We were set free. It says we were taken. We're no longer slaves of sin. We're now slaves to righteousness. To do the right thing. So let's go on to verse eleven. As he's, you know, so they've addressed themselves. They've addressed how hard it was for them, and he's reminding them. So now they're seeing this, like, you know, pretty sure this hit the heart. Like, man, he's right. That was pretty hard. 
you know, it made sense to them. Like, this is this is not right. And he goes on to say, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. So he's now talking about the salvation, but he's saying it's the same salvation that's for us is also for them and for them and for us. And so he's he's making this point across and he's saying, but we believe that we will be saved. That word comes from the word sozo to keep safe and sound to to receive from danger or destruction to deliver. We believe this today, right? This is what God delivered us from. Pastor, where did you get so-so from? That's from the Greek. That's saved. And that's, that's saved? yes, saved, yes. And that's sozo, S-O-Z-O. And it's to keep us, to keep us safe, to keep us sound, to deliver us from destruction. And that's what God did for us. And he's saying, and but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus as they will. The word grace is put this way from the concordance of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindness, and then to exercise of the Christian virtues. Okay? So I'm going to read that one more time. Grace of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindness, and and kindles them to the exercise of Christian virtues. So it's the grace of God. The Bible says by grace we have been saved, and it's an unmerited favor. It's an undeserved favor, but it's the grace of God that has been given to us, and that is the grace that has saved us. But through that grace, what that grace is supposed to do for me and you is supposed to keep us, to strengthen us, to encourage us. And not only that, within that teaches us about God, gives us the knowledge of God. And also in that grace also now teaches us how to live in the, in the virtues of Christianity, to live righteously, to live holy, to desire to live after the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, again, it's the faith. It's the, the joy of, Lord, you saved me. I now acknowledge, Lord Jesus, what you did for me. I've heard the story. I've seen the movies. <laughs> celebrated Christmas. Celebrated Easter. And I realized, you know, through all that time, I never got it until you revealed it to my heart, Lord. That it was the joy that you died for my sins. And you paid that price for me and the whole world today. And now I can have that peace today. No matter what happens, no matter what I face, no matter what we go through, no matter what our families go through, our loved ones, those around us, this world today. But Lord, we have the peace because we know the truth today. That you died for the sins of the world. You gave us an opportunity so we can be saved, so we can be delivered. But it's not just a saving grace, it's a keeping grace. Because it's also enough to keep me in you through it all. And this is what he's talking about. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. If somebody can read that one. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
and not that of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any which you boast, none. Amen. You know, read verse 10. Uh, 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How many of us love gifts? Amen. All right. Amen. Right. It's, it's a blessing. Well, we've been given the free gift of God. But not only did he give us a free gift, he gave us a free gift to live it out, to use, because he says we're his masterpiece. We're his work, workmanship created to do good works. It's by this faith. It's by this, this salvation that we have today that brings about such a joy that now we want to live for him. We want to do the right thing. We want to live righteously. We want to follow after him. Now, do we always do it? No, but it's a learning process and we strive to do so. The more that we seek him, the more that we get to know him, we get to realize, God, you are so good. And we realize that, Lord, I didn't do anything to deserve this. This was your free gift to me. This was your free gift to the world. Because it goes on to go, in, let's go to Romans chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 12 through 16 here. Romans chapter 2, verse 12 through 16. It says, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. But look at this part. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. So he's referring to Gentiles that didn't know the law, but yet lived righteously. And there are a lot of people like that today that don't know about God, but yet they live a good life. They're, they're good people. They just have that moral. They have that, that sense of, of, you know, just that, that mor morality. You know, they care about people. You see a lot of people out there doing good works. Yes. And many are not God-fearing. They don't even know, you know, maybe what the Bible says, whatever it is. But there are good people out here. And this is what he's referring to. He's saying there's people, you, those that know the law don't even do the law. But yet there's those that don't have no clue about the law, but yet are living according to the law. And he goes on to verse 10. He says, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when according to my gospel god judges the secrets of men by christ jesus see it's not a matter of just knowing the law and all that no he's talking about a whole other place here that no, it's coming to a place where the law of the Lord is now written upon your heart. Where it's in that relationship where you start to find yourself in a place, Lord, I no longer want to do this. I no longer want to live this way. I no longer want to follow this pattern or this path. I no longer want to fall into this place or whatever it may be. Because it's the law of the Lord is no longer just here, but it's upon our hearts. And that is the desire of God. And see, if they're trying to get the Gentiles to live according to the law, then they would fall under the same condemnation and judgment as they did before. 
because the law got so distorted, Jesus talked about it again. He says, you preach the law, they teach the law. He goes, listen to the words, but they don't live it. Even those that knew the law down to a T still could not live up to it. And so he's pointing, this is dangerous. By you trying to put these requirements upon the Gentiles, they're going to fall away. Because it would no longer be by faith. It would be by works. And they knew that didn't work. It's by faith in Christ in Christ alone, and he's not just saying just for the Gentiles, he says, as it is for them, it is so with us. Because eventually many of the Jewish believers would come out of that. Because Paul didn't live as, a, you know, he was living free. <laughs> any thoughts, any, any thoughts, any questions on that, on that portion right there as we're looking at this? A lot of changes in here, <laughs> a lot of changes in the church. Okay, so let's go to verse 12. It says, and all the assembly fell silent and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done that through them among the Gentiles. They testified of the great works Christ was doing to those that had, had been born again. They took that time to share. This is what God has been doing. They've been doing these miracles, been, you know, people are getting saved, baptized, healed, delivered, set free, speaking in tongues. They got to share all these testimonies about the wonders of God that was being done among the Gentiles. They saw the transformation. Yeah. They saw the lives changed. And it wasn't by keeping the law. It was by faith. But we believe. It's because they chose to believe in the message that Paul and Barnabas were bringing. We believe today because of the message that we heard. And we still believe today because of the message we continue to believe in. And there are many today still coming to believe because of the message of the cross of Jesus Christ, the good news that is still going out into the world today. It's a matter of faith. I used to love Pastor Abel said, you know, when you when the people would say the prayer, you're not joining New Living Way Church. You're joining the body of Christ. And it was always encouraged and still to this day to join a church, whether this church or but as long as it's a Bible teaching church. That will be doctrinal. And because it's very important, but we're not joining just New Living Way Church. We're joining the church, the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in the Lord. But it's by our faith. Our membership is not a $50 gold card. <laughs> I've seen that. They have the silver card, the gold card, and the platinum card. You mean credit cards? No, it's a membership card to a church. Wow. Oh. And this is on TV. <laughs> no, this is a membership card. <laughs> And you, you pay a monthly premium, that's your tithe and offering, or a yearly annual thing, and it's to become a part of that church. I don't even want to, I don't even ask what the, I don't even know what the benefits are of it, but there's a gold, a, a platinum, and there's a, a, there's like two or three, three different cards. I don't want to go back. It's a membership. And I'm like, I'm like, what? I thought it was a joke, and it was real. 
And I'm like, you know, wow, that's a great way to get people to, you know, get paid their tithes. If, you know, I'm just going to start putting out New Living Way church cards. <laughs> Starbucks. Yeah. The, the, the bronze and all. Yeah. I was like, I was like, no, that's not, that's not godly. Nowhere in the Bible is a talk about that. Our membership is not the church building. It's the body of Christ because of our faith in Jesus. You know, I get that, you know, churches have membership, different things. So that's, that's okay. But when you're promoted like that, no, that's a burden. That's a yoke. Because what happens when that person can't pay that platinum fee and they get bumped down to gold? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, I mean, it, for people that are really putting their faith in believing that, that's going to tear somebody up. If they preach another Christ. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna mess some people up when they cannot afford to pay that anymore. Wow. And they can no longer live up to that standard, <laughs> that yoke of slavery that has been placed upon them. Because that's going to cause someone to fall, if not many. And that is a big ministry. And I was really saddened to see that. And see, this is what Paul is and Peter and all of them are talking about. It's like, no. It's by their faith in Christ, in Christ alone. But that's kind of like the Jehovah's Witnesses that they used. I remember when I, because I studied with them for like a year or so. Mm -hmm. And you have to, you have to put like so many magazines. Well, back then it was in a little magazine. Watchtower. Uh -huh, that they have to like pl place like 50 magazines per month. You know, wow. Yeah, they had a, a, I don't know what for. I mean, like, I know that we, we're supposed to share, uh, uh, share the word. Yes, and, yes. But for them was more like, oh, and then they have to keep the hours, and I have so many hours already. And But at, I, I think it wasn't more like, the point wasn't like how many people you have reached. But how many hours I have placed, so I'm higher, you know. Oh wow! Yeah, it's, it's place seniority and, and if it's like a business, you know. Yeah. And yeah, and, and unfortunately that goes on, you know. That works, right? It works. That definitely works. And don't get me wrong, we're supposed to have works. The Bible says we're safe for good works, uh -huh. but those good works should come from a place of our heart because we're grateful to God for our salvation. Because we're grateful to God. Yeah, exactly. You know, because our treasures are now in heaven. But I no longer have to earn good works. You know, like by us coming to Bible study, Jesus didn't put a little star on the board and say, oh, look, Sister is at church today. <laughs> you know, no, it's it's because we want to be. We want to study the word of God. We want to know God more. You know, when you do something for somebody, it's not to, hey, hey, look at me or no. It's like, Lord, thank you that I'm able to do this, you know, or whatever it may be. You know, but it's because of what Christ has done for me and you. And that's what's important. And that's what's being understood here is that we don't want to place a yoke of slavery on the on the people to follow these things so they can think they're saved. No, it's by faith and faith alone. But we believe. And so this is why they're sharing all the works that God was doing to the Gentiles so that they can see, no, this is all by faith in Christ Jesus. So let's go on to verse 13. It says, after they finished speaking, James replied, this is the half-brother of, of Jesus who became one of the leaders in the Jerusalem church. 
He says, brothers, listen to me. Simon has related, referring to Peter, has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, after this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it. And that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Amen. So James now stands up and he says, and he confirms and he, he brings out scripture. He backs it up with scripture. This is actually taken from Amos chapter 9, verse 11 through 12. If you're taking notes, Amos chapter 9, verse 11 through 12. And he brings about the word of God from the Old Testament, from the prophets, because now he's having an understanding. This is what that word is talking about. James is getting a revelation through the word of God. This is what the prophet was talking about. And this is what Peter is declaring and confirming that the Bible has already said. And really what he's saying is this is what God has said. So they're acknowledging this is from God. And they're acknowledging this is the whole point. Because what does it say in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20? He says, go into all the world, therefore. Baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. But he goes, baptizing all nations. Because it was supposed to be for everyone, for the whole world, not just one nation, but all nations, for every single person. And so now the, now the gospel, now the Great Commission has just gotten a lot broader. No longer is it just Jerusalem. No longer is it just the children of Israel. No, it is the whole world. And that just, I mean, that is just, I don't even believe they could fully comprehend it. But it happened. Yeah. We're in the United States today. We're not in Jerusalem. <laughs> We're pretty far from Jerusalem today. Yeah. But yet when he says, and they, no longer will they worship on this mountain, all that, no. They'll worship me in spirit and truth. And that is us today. Because the gospel made it to us. So verse 21 says, um, uh, verse 20, 19 to 21 says, Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual morality and from what has been strangled and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Now, we're going to look at just a couple of scriptures here, a little bit long, but I just want to, want to touch on what's going on here, because now they're confirming, they're believing it. They're agreeing, okay? The issue here, though, is like we talked about in the beginning was a class of clash of cultures, okay? This was going to be, it wasn't going to be an overnight thing that the Jewish people were all of a sudden just going to accept the Gentiles. They were not used to it. They weren't brought up that way. You know, it's, it's like moving into a different neighborhood and you're, you're around different people. You're like, oh, wow, this is different for me, you know? You know, I lived in Pico, grew up in Pico, Moved out to Boy Heights with Letty, and it came back to Downey. And I'm like, man, Downey's like different. Like I felt weird. <laughs> I was not comfortable in Downey. What was wrong with Downey? I just it was just it was quiet. Was you know it was like you know it was a nicer area. No ghetto bird in the night, at least where we were living at. I was like, man, this is like weird. I couldn't sleep. It was just weird. 
when we first moved into Downey. And I'll tell you, I Pico's right here. We're borderline. But all the years living in Pico, I went to Whittier, you know, Montbello, you know, everywhere else. I never stepped foot in Downey. It was so just, it was, well, yeah, I was right here. <laughs> I didn't get arrested, though. It was supposed to be. I got delivered. Amen. I got set free. Amen. We had emptied the car already. So, you know, but it was different. So this was going to be an issue. So James is now acknowledging this, that, okay, well, this is what we're going to do in the meantime. And he's putting this out as something now to at least let the Gentiles know, because this not so much circumcision, but just the way, because what he's talking about here has to do with idolatry. He's talking about idolatry, sexual morality. Sexual morality was really huge in idolatry worship. You know, the prostitutes of the temples and all that, they weren't seen as prostitutes. They saw uh, they were seen as part of an intimacy with the gods. Okay, so these are different things, and he's referring to these things. Not only that, those things that have been strangled and from blood, this all had to do with idolatry. And he's saying, at least let's tell them this. And this should be part of it. You know, this is not a this is not a yoke. It's just something. No, this what they should be careful because like that, at least then around the culture of the other Jewish people, they would recognize it be a visual and they would be a little bit more comfort comforting to be able to be around one another. Because, again, the church was growing. It was not just Jewish people. Now it was Jewish and Gentiles that we're going to now have to learn how to fellowship with one another, how to be intimate with one another, how to love one another, how to serve one another, how to encourage one another. All these different things. So this is what James is putting out in as as something as as you know at least an example. Yes, brother AJ. I think the church is still growing in that area. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. I mean, we could look back on the church and different things, and we went through many segregations, many different things, you know. And and uh, but we're still growing that as well. You know, we're still learning as well. You know, because it's not a matter of spanish churches english no it's, it's the church we should just be the church you know the, you know the body of christ so there's a lot of areas that we need to grow and learn as well you know amongst the different you know cultures and different groups of people that we are you know but recognizing that we're all one in christ but acceptance yeah but it's something we do acknowledge you know we, we have to be willing to acknowledge that though sometimes we're not willing to acknowledge that and that's when we kind of fool ourselves but we have to be willing to acknowledge that but we're learning amen we're learning. But we may say, well, is this correct? Why would we do this? So let's look at a couple of scriptures here. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And this could get a little, you know, there's a lot of different thoughts, opinions, stuff like that. I know we don't have a lot of time to go into it, but just want to look at a couple of things here as we're seeing some examples of this, what James is rec recommending for, for the Gentiles and the Jewish people. It says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4 through 13, it says, Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, <laughs> okay? And that there is no God but one. So he just lays it straight out, okay? We don't believe in that. We, don't, we know it's just it's, it's nothing. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom who are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we him we exist. So he just lays that straight out. This is our belief. This is what we believe. However, not all possess this knowledge, 
but some through former association with idols the way they used to be eat food as really offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. So because their old way of life and how they've always lived and how they grew up. So when they know certain things, this is just seared on their conscience. Oh, is this that's unto an idol or, you know, they recognize it. So he's acknowledging that there's still some that just don't have the knowledge yet. Okay. So he goes, food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ has died. Thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Was he a vegetarian? Yeah. Well, it's saying he's using this as an example. But basically what he's saying is, listen, what my actions may do, even though I'm free to do it, because I don't even believe in that. Even They could say the food's offered an idol, but we don't even believe in that. It has no power. But if someone who did believe in that now comes to Christ, and my freedom is going to cause that brother or sister to sin, then I'd rather not do it for the sake of their conscience until they're able to come to a place that they can understand it. But because they're in a process, Paul is basically submitting himself to a place to say, look, because I love my brother, I'm not going to use my freedom to cause him to stumble. We can teach, and that's where it comes important, you know, to teach someone, but again, we also have to take into consideration someone else around us. Because you maybe have some freedoms, but your brother or sister may not. And so therefore, it's, it's working one another and not showing the love for one another. If you know somebody has an issue, but yet you're free, but yet you live however in that and you don't take that into consideration, then are we really showing the love of God for one another? Yeah, that's also referring to... Uh... Alcohol, so you, you may not have a problem, or others might not have a problem, but yet there is some that have, uh, yeah, you know, a strong desire and you know, violent or whatever, you know. So yeah, and that can be a big a issue. It causes a brother or sister to stumble, definitely. You know, and I could use that freedom, say, oh, well, I can have a beer. I'm not going to go to hell. But what if my brother next to me, you know, is an alcoholic, has had issues, you know, has struggled in that area, feels, oh, well, we're free to do so, can't just have one, and falls back to it. You know, it's it's being careful. So Paul is using that in that sense, and we see that that's what James is asking for them to do. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 through 33. He says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. For whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you. And for the sake of conscience, I do not mean your conscience, but his. 
Or why should my liberty or freedom be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. That is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Actually, you can read the whole chapter from verse from chapter 8 all the way to chapter 10. It talks a lot about this. But again, it's putting ourselves in a place for the sake of one another. And this is what James is asking the church to agree for the Gentiles to do for the sake of their Jewish brothers and sisters. So that they can be in a place where they can grow together. And this is what James is getting to. But again, it's not to use this also to discriminate either. Okay, because look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. It says, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So it's never an excuse to use that to discriminate or to separate. And you see even here, Peter, who's in Acts talking about this, now falls into his own, his own, his own trap. Because, again, this was part of his culture. And so, therefore, he just it just happened for him. So it's never meant in a way to discriminate against one another. We do this, again, because in love. But, again, it's not that we're, that's what's going to save us. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 18. We're going to close up with this one here. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So I put here, we do what we do or don't do, but what we do out of love for one another is, unfilling, is that's fulfilling the commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. I put here, it is our actions that define what we truly believe. We don't do it to be saved, but because we believe we're already saved. So many times we may be required to maybe put ourselves in a position or something because of a brother or sister or someone that you're helping or someone you're encouraging. But it's for the sake of them, because you love them. Your desire is for them to be saved. And as it says here, to live peaceably with one another. We have the freedoms in Christ. Don't get me wrong. And nowhere are we supposed to go back to live according to the law. We do it because we're submitted to God. And we've taken the yoke of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it this way. Jesus had all the freedom. Yep. He's God. But yet he gave up that for our sake. To become a human. 
for this for our sake. He came as a bondservant. He humbled himself for our sake and the sake of love for one, for all of us. And he did it to a whole point where even he died a violent death for us, took a beating for us, was nailed to a cross for us. His blood was shed for us to a place where he finally died on that cross and was buried in a tomb. But yet he rose again on the third day. He tells he tells the disciples, don't you think I can call upon 12 legions of angels? And they would come, the Father would send them. But he said no. Because he was willing to humble himself, to submit himself. So remember, we have been, we have liberty in Christ, we have freedom in Christ. Bible says don't use your freedom to sin, but it also says to live at peace with one another the best we can, to respect one another. And there may be some today that are still learning, maybe in different places, maybe just, you know, different teachings. Now, there are things that are false that, no, we don't stand for. But there are things that may, you know, that our brothers, that we're still working through and that others around us are still working through. And this is where we just, this is where, again, this is where it's looking out for one another. And this is what James was asking the church to do for, that the Gentiles would do for the Jewish brothers so that they would be able to live peaceably with one another while the Jewish people were able to grow and learn these things. But even, even then, what they were asking had to do with idolatry. So that was very important because if not, the, a lot of the Gentiles came from idolatry backgrounds. So these were going to be a lot of things they would learn. But it all came back down to, but we believe. But we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who saved us through that grace. And that is the same thing today. It's what we believe today. It's who we know. And we know that it's not the works that save us. But because we're saved, that produces works. That salvation produces works. And the things that we do and the good that we do and the things that God does through our lives today, it's because of what he did for us. And let, it, let us never let that be changed. And whenever our minds mess with us or anything like that or try to condemn us otherwise, let's go back to our faith and what we believe and who we believe in and why we believe. That's the helmet of salvation. That's the, that's the key. That's our solid ground, our solid foundation. When you doubt your salvation, when you doubt your faith, when you doubt who you are in Christ, it's, not, it's, who, it's who he is and what he has done for us and this whole world today. So we can have we can have joy in that amen any thoughts comments questions i do yes when you read that uh, about the offering of the foods did you say that it said that if they tell you it's offered offered to for sacrifice don't eat it is that what that said yeah he's basically saying so if somebody comes to you and tells you this has been offered to my god or whatever or to this thing then don't eat, then don't eat it and it's not because he can't or because he's afraid of it or anything. He's saying no, but for the sake of their conscience. Because what's going on is now they're thinking, oh, he's partaking with me. He's partaking in my offering to my God, basically. So he's a, yeah, it can bring about confusion. So they can be, you know, can be seen as a compromise. Not because of the believer's compromise, but because of the of that person's faith and what they believe. Because we don't want them eating food that's been We don't want them thinking that we believe in what they believe in. Okay. Or, or that we're partaking in what they believe in. So you the whole teaching was that they were teaching that there is only one God and one way to be saved, and that is through Jesus Christ. 
That's what it comes down to. Do you think part of the message? The hairdresser, you see the food right there. Do you think they don't eat it? I was kind of curious. I've never asked, but you know, you know how that they'll set like a little Buddha of food around it. I'm wondering if they eat that. After a lot of times they don't know. They throw it out. Yeah. They throw it out. Change it every day. I just wondered. Yeah, some have trees and stuff like that. They won't touch the fruits or nothing because they dedicate it to their. They'll give it away to the people who did it, but never Yeah. Say that again. They'll give the, the food and the fruit away to the people because they do great, like grow their own fruit. They personally won't eat it, but they don't have a problem with sharing it with others. Yeah. It's like I forgot what country that's in. They I mean, they have such a reverence for cows that they won't kill them because it's, yeah, there you go. But yet they're starving and they won't eat these cows, but because of that's one of their gods, you know, they won't touch them, you know? So they're just, you know, different beliefs and different many things. Like I said, many, many gods, many lords, but we know that there's only one God, Amen. the Father, Amen. Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, you know, and that's why the message has to be what we believe. And, you know, and this is where, you know, this is where they were, really having to learn and make sure that they were not putting any more yokes or putting anything else or adding to what salvation was truly about. Because, I mean, that could have been really, by the time it got to us, who knows what it would have been. So, you know, and honestly, there's a lot of different, you know, ways and teachings, and there's been a lot of diffusion in many different areas. But, you know, that's why it's very important. It's by faith in Christ and Christ alone, which has come out quite a bit tonight. Because <laughs> that's the key. That's the message. That's the gospel. It's, it's only through Christ, but through Christ should bring about good works. You know, it should bring about the things that, you know, because again, it's, it's no longer doing it because the, it's, it's getting to a place where it's no longer just because I'm told not to, it's because I don't want to, because it's in my heart to no longer desire or want to do that or think that or talk this way or live that way or stay in this pattern or make, keep make falling in the same places, you know? Because it's it's that relationship with the Lord, it's that personal relationship. So it just causes a change over time, you know, as, as long as we walk with the Lord. Any other thoughts, comments, questions before we close up tonight? All right. Well, Amen. Praise God. Amen. So, but we believe. Amen. amen. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's continue to do so. Just grateful to the Lord tonight that we're able to study His Word, and uh, you know, so this will be our last Bible study for the month of November. You know, but doesn't mean we can't continue to read and continue to study it and, and look up a couple more things in the, uh, you know, in the book of Acts chapter 15. So uh, feel free to continue to keep reading and, and going further and seeing what the Lord is doing. Amen. So uh, just pray for the Lord tonight. Uh, any prayer requests? We are still online here. And uh, any any prayer requests that we have tonight? Yes, Dalma. Um, my, my aunt, which is my, let's say my foster mom, she Okay. Um, she had an accident in Guatemala and broke his, her hip. She's oh, okay. 85 years old. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so she's going to go through surgery. Okay. And I'm going to leave to Guatemala on Sunday. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. We'll lift her up. I didn't hear her. Uh, for her aunt. For aunt. Yes. Aunt. Yeah. Okay. She had a uh, fatal accident and broke her hip. Oh. I'll be there for two weeks. So yeah. Okay. All right. Be safe out there. And, you know, let's, let's trip over there, okay? So yeah. we'll lift it up. I went to get my brother's James. I mean, yes, sir. Yes, sister Karen. Yeah. Uh, my grandson's dad's brother. His name is Emmanuel. He's in his 30s, and he has got COVID so bad. Uh, they rushed him to San Diego to give him 
a third lung. I've never heard of it. But what they do is they go insert it and go right into the, the atrium, okay. I mean, the arterial, go into the arteries to put oxygen in and take carbon dioxide out. He's oh, wow. a very young man. He's sold out for Christ. Um, can I give you like 30 seconds? Can I read something for 30 seconds? I just want to know, I want you to know who we're praying for because it means, it, it means a lot to me to, to know the heart of a person mm -hmm. um, when I pray. So I'm just going to read it just so you can see his faith. It's He did this right before he got intubated. And um, here it is. So his name is Emmanuel. He says, through much prayer and consulting with my doctors, my wife and I have made the decision to move forward and to put on a breathing tube. It's not something I wanted to do, but I believe it's the best way to see me come home. I'm at peace with this, and I know God is not done with me. So before I go to sleep, just know every single word that you said encouraged me. Uh, just to know I'm not out of the fight yet, but I will all soon declare his victory. Please pray for me and my wife. Amen. That's a man sold out for Christ. So his well, name is Emmanuel. Amen. And we believe along with him. Amen. Yes. That's our belief today. That's our hope today. That's our peace today. So yeah. praise God. Definitely. We'll lift them up in prayer right now as well. Okay. Amen. So if there's any other prayer requests, anybody watching online with us, feel free to pray with us this night. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for this wonderful, beautiful night, this beautiful day today, Father God. Yes. We thank you, Lord, for another day, Father God, that we're able to just come together, Lord, to study your word, Lord Jesus, to seek you, Lord God. And Father God, Lord Jesus, just to look to you, Father God, for you are truly great. You are wonderful, awesome, and mighty. And Father God, we are just so thankful, Lord God, that you are so good and so great, my God. We thank you, Lord God, that it's by faith in you, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, we are saved today, my God. It is through your grace, my God. And we thank you today, Lord Jesus, as there are many today, Father God, turning to you and putting their faith in you, my God. And, Father, today, Lord Jesus, my God, we lift up those today, Father God, that... Father God, Lord Jesus, have just lost the faith, my God, have stopped believing, yes, have yes. turned to other ways or other yes. things, my God. Yes. We ask you to deliver them and to draw them back to you, Father God, into the place of faith and believing in you, Lord Jesus. Because, Father, we know that you are faithful and we know that you are able to do so, Father yes. God. We lift up those today, Father God, that are burdened, my God, yes. by heavy burdens and yokes, Father God, of slavery, such as traditions of man, Father, yes. such as Amen. customs, Lord God, such as works, my God. Yes. Father yes. God, in order to be saved, Lord God. Yes. Father, Lord Jesus, those today that are under the yoke, Father God, of yes. Father manipulation, my God. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask you that you would deliver them today, my God, in Jesus' name, Lord, and that you would set them free in Jesus' name, Father God, and that, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God, that, Father God, Lord Jesus, you would open up their eyes to see your truth, my God, and that they may know, Lord, that it is only by faith in Christ, in Christ alone, my God, that, Father God, that they shall be saved. And Father God, Lord, those works that they were doing before to try to be saved, Father, that now when they put their faith in you, my God, Lord, they those works will be multiplied and increased, my God, from a place of salvation, my God, because of the joy, my God, of no longer carrying the yoke or the heavy burdens, my God. Father God, that they were carrying from before, but my God, Lord, they were able to take up your yoke for it is easy 
and your burden for it is light. And they're able to rest in you, Lord God, as we are able to rest in you today, Father. And we just thank you today for the joy of our salvation this night, Father God. And we are so grateful and so thankful, Lord, because we believe in you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, my God. And you have all the power and all the authority, my God. And Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the rest that we have in you today, Lord, and the finished work of the cross and the resurrection and the ascension, Lord Jesus, and Lord, the fact that you are coming back soon, Lord. We thank you for the peace that surpasses all understanding. We thank you for guarding our hearts this night. We thank you that greater are you that lives in us than he that lives in the world, my God. We thank you that if God be for us, then who can be against us, my God? And we thank you that we walk by faith and not by sight, Lord. We thank you that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us, my God. And we thank you tonight, Lord, as we trust in you, Lord, with all our heart and we lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you, for it is you that directs our paths, Father God. So, Father, tonight we thank you, Lord, for your armor, for your protection, my God. We thank you, Lord God, for shielding our hearts, my God, for keeping us from tripping up, my God. Father God, Lord Jesus, for the belt of truth, my God. We thank you that we're able to take up the shield of faith, which extinguishes all the fiery darts of the enemy. We're able to take up the helmet of salvation. We're able to take up your sword of the spirit, which is your word, the word of God, my God, that is living and active, my God. So we just thank you this night, Heavenly Father. And Lord, we just lift up, Father God, these prayer requests to you tonight, Lord. We thank you, Father, for traveling mercies over Sister Alma. She prepares, Father, to go see her aunt, my God. We pray, Father God, for just your peace and your strength, Father God, and comfort, Lord. We know you're her healer, you're her strength, my God, and we're believing for a good, quick recovery, Lord, in the name of Jesus, my God. But just strength and peace within her aunt's heart, my God, as Father God, Lord, you are her strength. Father God, Lord Jesus, for Sister Karen's prayer request tonight, Father. Lord, what a words of encouragement, Lord God, is Father, Lord, this your son goes into, Father, this place that, Father God, Lord Jesus, is you know could be fearful. But, Lord, thank you for the peace upon his heart, Lord, as he's trusting you, his wife is trusting you, the family's trusting you, Lord. And, Father, what he declared, we stand in agreement and believe with him today, Lord God, that, Father, you will bring him out, Lord Jesus. And, my God, Lord, he will continue to give you glory and praise and honor, Lord God, because, Lord, you are faithful. And Father, tonight, Lord, for all other requests and unspoken prayer requests tonight, Lord, Lord, we thank you that you hear our hearts, you hear those requests, you hear the petitions and supplications tonight. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that Father God, Lord, you answer us according to your will and according to your purpose, Lord. So we just thank you this night, Father God, and we thank you for this time, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you guys for joining us online as well. Anyone coffee? No, no.